It's a great day for a podcast. Once again, here he is, John Oakley. This was very, very important. We discussed this last week when the foo surrounding Elon Musk designating certain uh, media outlets as being state-funded or publicly funded or state-affiliated. I mean, semantics aside, the CBC has sort of fallen into that realm, and Terry Glavin has written about it on his Substack offering. He's also a columnist with the National Post, you might know as well. He's a senior fellow with the Raoul Wallenberg Center for Human Rights and is the author of, as I say, The Real Story on Substack, and he's drilled down as to what is taking place. Semantic society said, basically, the CBC at this point is irredeemable. My word, not his, but let's get Terry in here to explain. Terry, good afternoon. Always a pleasure to have you on The Oakley Show. Hi, it's Ron. So, Terry, uh, let's start with what Musk had unleashed here uh, this whole kind of fuss over, uh, as I said, semantics, whether it was state-funded or government-funded or publicly funded, that the CBC finally, uh, they arrived at 69% uh, government-funded or publicly funded, I guess. Uh, But you're saying that's not really the issue at the core of things. What is? Well, yeah, I think there's a couple of things going on here. I mean, Elon Musk, there's there's a grand old Irish expression, acting the maggot. And I think I think that's what Elon's been doing. Uh, he was doing that. I mean, you know, he was making a mis- making mischief with the Australian Broadcasting Corporation with NPR, uh, BBC, and then he turned to the CBC. And I guess you know you had um, Pierre Polyev who wrote him a letter saying, "Look, you should call the CBC government-funded media because you don't, and, and you should. That's what it is." And so he did. And then, of course, Polyev goes, "Yay!" See, Musk agrees with us that the CBC is government propaganda, and it was all very amusing. Um, but I do think, and I wrote a column about this, but, you know, I mean, it, 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 is, it is all very amusing, but it, it is also extremely distressing. And what we're looking at here is a phenomenon that it really is corrosive to the functioning of, of liberal democracies. And instead of this, and it's my my great regret, because I've always been a fan of the CBC, or at least the idea of a robustly funded uh, national broadcaster, that uh, the CBC is kind of part of the problem, I I regret to say, rather than part of the solution. They're kind of retreating into a kind of um, market silo and milking it as, as, as much as they can. Everybody's got pronouns beside their names. There's total fixation on race and gender. Uh, and, you know, re- and I, I don't want to be mean about this because, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, fair play to transsexual people and all that sort of thing. Um, but it, it's become a kind of um, private media conglomerate for the, uh, the haute bourgeoisie in Toronto and, uh, and and Vancouver. Radio Canada doesn't do a bad job, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, in Quebec. And um, whether you like the CBC or not, you know, whether you're in that way inclined or not, the reality of it is that the CBC does tend to hold about 30 to 40% of the Canadian public in contempt, or at least gives that impression. And you've got about 30 or 40 or 50% of the Canadian public that doesn't really like being treated that way and doesn't want the CBC to be funded anymore, or at least wouldn't get worked up if the CBC 
uh, was totally defunded. So this is this is not this can't carry on. This can't carry on. But Terry, you go further in your piece, if I may here, and you can expound on this, uh, where their values, as you cited here, uh, the faddish haute bourgeois obsessions, conflate with the Trudeau liberals haute bourgeois. Yeah. Go ahead, tell me why you say this is happening. Well, it's really weird, you know. It, it is very, very weird because I mean, you know, this whole thing on Twitter. You got to remember, only about fifteen percent of Canadians have anything to do with Twitter. And then you get this character, Elon Musk, and he decides to call the CBC government-funded media, which it is. And then you have this incredibly hoarse-voiced chorus of, uh, you know, from the prime minister on down, oh, this is an assault on democracy, and how could they say this about our, our beloved CBC? I mean, it's, it's kind of always been like this, like the CBC's best friends are always its worst enemies, because... You know, it just sort of makes, you know, Polyev just sits back and says, see, I told you, <laughs> you know, hmm. and it is very odd it, it, in that the, you know, for 25 years, uh, governments, conservative and liberal governments, be thinking, you know, what the heck are we pouring all this money into the CBC for again? Somebody remind me. I mean, Mulroney, uh, you know, Chrétien, Paul Martin, Stephen Harp. By the way, Chrétien was, he just went through the, the CBC like a wolf through a flock of sheep. And all Trudeau did was replenish Stephen Harper's funding. But he also set out on, and the CRTC did as well, to kind of remake the CBC in, in his own image and likeness. So the sort of values of the Liberal Party, the sort of post-national Canada with no core mainstream identity, being completely adopted by the CBC and its Hard to tell in which direction the cause and effect lines run here. But it's basically, you know, the new jingle that uh, the CBC's, what is it, $460,000 CEO who lives in a brownstone in New York, Catherine Tate, uh, you know, this jingle, uh, oh, it's a Canada thing. Well, you know what? It's a liberal thing. And, and I think everybody knows that. And it is unconscionable. That all, you know, whether we like the CBC or not, every single Canadian taxpayer is expected to pay, shell out up to $1.3 billion a year for this thing, whether you like the Liberals or not, whether you like the CBC or not. And uh, the CBC is also trespassing on um, conventional media, legacy media. And so everybody gets their knickers in a knot because... The, the federal government's doling out, I think it was $600 million or something, to a constellation of private media organizations to, you know, keep uh, keep uh, newspapers alive. I, I write for Post Media, and I think it's 6% of our revenues now, mm-hmm. our government grants and so on. Well, you know, if the government started, you know, return to advertising in newspapers the way they used to, and maybe, you know, stopped funding the CBC, which keeps encroaching on legacy media turf on the taxpayer's dime. Maybe we wouldn't even need any of those subsidies. Mm. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's tough all around. You know, I was looking at the data the other day in North America. We have about a third the number of working journalists right now in North America as we did back in, I think it was two what is it, 1992, I think, mm-hmm. or 1998. It, it's a, you know, this is not good. 
this is not a good thing. And, and, I, and I really would like to think that the CBC would be at least a small part of the solution instead of a fairly big part of the problem. And constituting its own culture, as you said. Uh, what's interesting, again, to get around to uh, why this might be problematic, you talk about the imposition of these rigidly enforced systems of belief and ideology, a phenomenon that you say is fatally corrosive to the disciplines we've relied upon. I mean, let's just, in layperson's terms, what do you mean there, the corrosive uh, ideology that they espouse? Yeah, you know what? This is a really complicated thing, and I've tried to figure out ways of discussing it in layman's terms. Journalists shouldn't have to be going around with, you know, five, you know, five dollar terms like, you know, a crisis of epistemology. <laughs> but that's what we're living through here. And very simply, it's not just that facts don't matter anymore. It's as though it doesn't matter that facts don't matter anymore. Hmm. And so. You know, there was a time and it was, you know, the sort of golden age of journalism over four or five centuries, by the way, of, of newspapers and, and newspapers antecedents was basically the last decade of, of, of the 20th century. And um, the whole point of, of journalism back then was you wanted to, I mean, there were always sort of niche or, you know, markets and so on and magazines and, you know, you know, uh, Field and Stream magazine or Atlantic magazine, and there were radio stations that, you know, were sort of underground, cool FM music radio stations, and then there were radio stations that were sort of more populist and hot button and fun. Uh, but newspapers, generally speaking, tried to talk to everybody, right? Mm -hmm. And the only way you can talk to everybody is if there's a shared understanding of how one goes about the business of determining what the truth is. It's very rigorous, it's bumpy, there's argumentation, but there's also the, the, the requirements of verification, falsification, the scientific method. Uh, and all of these methodologies that have produced Western civilization are essentially on the chopping block right now. And I, I hate to sound alarmist about this, but that's what I mean when I say that, you know, this is corrosive to 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 uh, to democracy. It's not a good thing. Well, and you felt the full brunt of uh, this assault on your fact-based journalism. I mean, and I think that's the profound point taken away from this piece on Substack is that the facts don't matter anymore. And even more jarring is the fact that the facts don't seem to matter anymore. Uh, it, when a narrative takes hold, damn the facts, uh, people will embrace the narrative first and foremost. Uh, right. Terry Glavin. Right. By the way, uh, people can read you on Substack. Uh, tell us quickly how they can get to the real story on Substack. Real simple. Just do Terry Glavin, real story, Substack. Write that into your Google bar and you'll find me. There you go. And you can take out a sub. And if you take out a paying sub, you'll help me do my work. There you are. And it's uh, the Lord's work. Terry Glavin, columnist with the National Post and senior fellow with the Raoul Wallenberg Center for Human Rights. Listen to The John Oakley Show live each weekday afternoon from 3 until 6. If you live in the Toronto area, just turn that AM dial to 640 and listen anywhere on Earth 24 hours a day by going to 640toronto.com. Follow on Twitter at AM640Oakley. You've been listening to A Curious Cast. New podcasts and shows are debuting all the time. So check back often to see what's new in the Curious Cast Library.